Hello, it's uh, Chris Regan. Welcome to episode two of the People in the Dark podcast. This episode is with Christina Allegoratnam, who is a playwright and also a podcaster. Her podcast is called The Night Writer, uh, which you can find on Spotify and other places. Um, I'll put a link in the notes. Uh, but it's, it's um, yeah, it's, I, I was on Christina's podcast. I think we do talk about that a bit, but um, she interviews writers and creative people, and she also does episodes about. Uh, hauntings and paranormal things and also the, she does a few episodes on the origins of fairy tales and things like that so yeah it's a really interesting podcast this episode was actually the second to last one i recorded but i'm moving it forward because uh, christina has a play called play fight which is on in peckham this week i'll put a link in the notes it's on the second and third of june uh, but i want to get that out there front so if you're interested in Christina's work and you want to go and check out this play, then uh, I'll put a link in the, in the notes so you can uh, get tickets for that. So it's the yeah, 2nd and 3rd of June at Theatre Peckham. Christina chose to talk about Goosebumps, which is really interesting because I'd never didn't really have much experience with Goosebumps as a kid because I was I was in my teens when it when the books came out. So reading Clive Barker and stuff by then, so I was that interest in the books i sort of remember the series vaguely uh, i remember it being on i suppose but it was interesting reading those books as an adult for the first time uh we just we uh, christina picked three uh say cheese and die the haunted mask uh and the night of the living dummy yeah so i was reading those as an adult for the first time uh and i quite i was quite impressed and in a way they're kind of i think scarier because of the because of the way they're written because in a way there's so you come away with so many more questions than you perhaps would in an adult novel so yeah i think they were really good but i think what's really fascinating about this conversation is we talk about uh, christina's play another play she wrote called face to face which i've read we talk about it in the episode but it's about a um a woman confronting the guy who killed her dad what what was really interesting was when you when we started i thought there's no way we can because i always try and find links between the thing that the guest has chosen to talk about and their own work and sometimes that can feel a bit forced or sometimes there's just not a link there uh, and sometimes it's more about their kind of general interest in horror rather than that specific thing so, yeah so in this episode it really neatly linked together in a, in a way that was um yeah i was quite pleased with so yeah so that so that happens um yeah anyway here's the, here's the episode so goosebumps do you remember your kind of introduction to it as a as a thing yeah i remember really well i was about seven and i just started year three so this was like okay. 1999 2000 like, and my best friend told me about these books these but and she knows that i like some scary things because um, mm-hmm. I was watching that other show that Are You Afraid of the Dark when I was like four. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I had older cousins who would who watch Nickelodeon and I was around them and my parents didn't care what I was able to watch those days. So, right. Yeah. Um, so I liked that kind of stuff. And she said, you have to read Goosebumps. So I went to the school library and um, took out some four books and mm-hmm. I read it all in about a day and I loved it. I, I loved it so much. Um, I just liked that thrill of being scared and not knowing what was going to happen and it was great bedtime right. as well like as a kid do you uh, were they scary then as a kid yeah i mean the haunted mask was so scary it was um a right. story about this girl carly beth and she was trying to get a mask for halloween and she's she's a girl who got bullied basically uh, or got picked mm. on by these kids and so she wants to her revenge is halloween and she wants to get a mask it's so scary she ends up scaring everyone 
she goes to this costume shop and uh, there's a back room and there are these masks that look so awful and like scary and disgusting and she this is perfect and she buys one and the guy's like no 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 you can't that's not for sale and then she just takes mm. it and throws the money and runs but uh, what happens is um, if you put it on three times or tries it on it literally gets stuck to your face and the backstory between that was the behind that was the guy um wanted to just make these proper nice faces for, for people to wear but something went wrong and it just turned into this like really horrible faces and then it just turns this whole thing and she does end up scaring it but it's like it gets stuck and she can't get it off and then it, it's it's one of those things i just thought oh my god this is this is so cool <laughs> hmm. um and then another one was called uh, say cheese and die which is a brilliant concept of they these kids that go hunting in this this abandoned warehouse and they find this hmm. camera and you take a picture and it's a polaroid camera but it sort of predicts the future but in a really horrible way so yeah. this guy takes a picture of his brother standing next to their family's brand new car but and the, and he's fine but the car looks all smashed up and beaten up and mm-hmm. then later on they go for a drive in it and then they end up in a car accident or they take a picture of his friend and, and it's just nothing there she's disappeared and then she ends up disappearing it's some it's just a really good concept and he's rl stein the author is such a brilliant writer and he he creates these cliffhangers mm. at the end which is really annoying because it's like Oh, I want to find out what happens next, and there's a twist, but you know there's not going to be a sequel for it. So I read, I read the three, the three that you mentioned. So I read Haunted Mask, and I read uh, Say Cheese and Die, and I read the Dummy, Nighty Living Dummy. Oh yeah. But like, yeah. like this, this week I read them because I, because yeah. <laughs> as an adult, because because when I was like, because I listed them because they were the ones that really stuck yeah. out to me. Um, I mean, right, right. Them, but those were the ones that were really like it really played on my mind, and they did the, the TV yeah. series, and they did like a. a actually like filmed it which was really really good but it was something about yeah. reading about it that really at the time was quite in- innovative and i've as a kid reading that you've, you don't think about stuff like that about a polaroid camera that can predict the future i mean now you might have something yeah. like that but back then you didn't but my experience my sort of relationship with the goosebumps because i think because i'm because i'm older i so, so i remember i remember you were afraid are you afraid of the dark and i remember that like i mean i must have been god 94 so i think is that mid 90s yeah i think it's not like 91 but then it, it, it continued for so okay. many seasons because there was that like, one kid i think it's tucker was his name he was there uh, okay. for years and he eventually led the midnight society and those people that don't know her, i don't know what we're talking about but oh uh, okay was, like this campfire thing and these kids gathered around the campfire and they tell scary stories and then you'd see the story played out as they yeah. tell it and usually it has like a moral message and they're always like same characters that were sometimes recycled as well in different stories but there was this one story in that that just it's a girl with green eyes and that, that actually gave me nightmares for a long time but i couldn't stop watching it i, I every time that episode came up, i loved it what happened to that one um it was um basically these two kids um and actually this this uh had the actor hayden christensen in it who went when ended up playing oh, no way. Cyber, okay Cyborg, this particular episode he's canadian i think he's a canadian mm-hmm. so. they're like snowboarding and they had a friend who went missing in a cabin mm-hmm. <laughs> and so they go to this cabin and basically the girl was taken over by the spirit called the umbra or something but it basically took her her body as a, a younger self but it had green eyes and if you look in the eyes you end up turning really old and they found her right. like, really old it's so weird to watch as a kid because right. i think like, my little cousin watching this like that's just not that's inappropriate but we, well, that's, i was like yeah and we would play in the playground with my friends and it's like oh, wow. <laughs> You know, this is Batman, they not we weren't all wet wipes, but you know, it's just one of the things. And I think school was just a, like, you know, it's boring anyway. You just want something to escape to, and I think yeah, it was yeah. something quite. It's, it's horror, but it's it's safe. Yeah, well, I think I think in some ways it it was 
good because because like i say i think i was a bit too old for phenomenon but i remember i remember you were afraid of the dark and i remember that i remember quite liking that I and mean, i must have been sort of 14 15 when that was on but it was in the days pre pre-streaming services so yeah yeah I so i'd still watch what was on yeah i had to wait yeah. like usually i think um when sky suddenly came around and i remember like mm-hmm. seven eight at the time uh, it was always the last thing before it just sky kind of shut off for the night it was um, Nickelodeon. Okay. it was like mm-hmm. uh, it was the final thing on at the night so they put it at the end but I would always wait, and you know, my my parents didn't care. If they were, if my family were having a movie night, they would shove me up in the other room with right. that, and they would, they would, you know, they were like, fine, because it's they were used to me watching like you know horror stuff, and I think I watched Cujo when I was right. like ten, so it was like, oh god, <laughs> but it was like, hmm. you know, but I. Th- I, I think it was a different. I think things were different though, and I think I think when I like when I was a kid, my equivalent, I suppose, was watching <laughs> episodes of the Twilight Zone, not the not the old Twilight Zone. They kind of remade the Twilight Zone in the eighties, and I remember watching that when I was too young, and that was like really scary. The idea of like the idea of my kids watching that now, <laughs> but but then but like my, my, I don't think. Um, like my son can't deal with he's nine he can't deal with anything scary at all and we were hey it's funny i was reading i was reading the haunted mask the other day and he came in and he was like oh i've read that and i was like well i didn't i didn't think you'd like <laughs> what <laughs> read scary stuff and he was like oh no no i've read that one and i was like oh, okay so maybe maybe secretly is into it i'm not sure um but yeah i think that there is like this progression that's happened because now i think there is a bit more protectiveness around what we show kids i don't know though like, i don't know would would those is there an equivalent horror show for kids on now i don't actually know <laughs> I, think, I think my cousin watched it it's on, it's on netflix or creeped out and it, it does oh, okay kind of right scary but um okay i mean i was watching it and it's scary like for nowadays but it's like no, i was saying it's like nothing compared to what was on yeah like, i mean are you afraid the dark was even the, the intro even the intro of that was the candles yeah and the creepy music it was just it was just one of those things yeah no definitely i mean I remember, yeah I, I can't remember any specific episodes i can just remember that being on and i can remember the goosebumps show i think that was how i found out before the before the books because again like the books i suppose came out in the mid 90s and i yeah so so by then i would sort of i guess i would read i mean i, I think i've established this on a previous episode that i was a bit of a snob like a horror snob when i was little oh, so <laughs> yeah basically so and i've I've mellowed out a bit now but like then it was like like i was reading like clive barker and stuff at that point so i was like oh i'm not gonna read these books but but yeah reading now that like the haunted mask it's it's essentially a body horror book i mean it's horrible it is is. and i read that when i was like seven i mean we i know like when we say horror stephen king is obviously the king he's the guy but um i think Mm. yeah it definitely rl stein is overlooked and i think he um it's like because it's kids it's like that introduction into horror, but the way he does it is so clever. And yeah, and it's not just Goosebumps, yeah. but he's written other horror stuff as well. But I remember really clear in my mind about this, this baby right. sister that made like voodoo cookies. <laughs> it, right. it was so good. It was just, I just remember, but the, but the cover of it was like a skeleton and my family kind of made me like get rid of the book because we're, we're like, we're a Christian family, right? Which makes things even more right. awkward, but they, they still like, it's like a, still a thing. Like I don't really mind, but um, mm. I don't have a, a problem with it, but I think it was just that thing in particular because the cover, front cover was just so bad. They were like, you just, or like turn it over, like don't keep leaving. Right, right. Uh, was part of it that it was sort of not not allowed? Was that the part of the appeal of it as well? I mean, it was this is the thing. 
anyway, it was allowed. I mean, they let me watch right. it, and it was it was fine. Especially when you know they they knew I liked horror stuff, and especially now when I write stuff, they they know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think my excuse, and I I spoke about this on, on my podcast as well, when I do like Amityville and all that kind of stuff. That I'm into horror mm-hmm. is that you know Bible is filled with such horror stuff like ghosts, and the Book of Revelations itself is the most horrific thing. I so you know it's, mm-hmm. it's about you know possession and demons and exorcism, like Jesus exercise loads of things, but that's my defense, and that's that's the thing. Um, yeah, that's really interesting. Like yeah, that. that's where it all comes from. And also, like, yeah. I try and say, like, it's not real. Like, um, and if if someone does say, you know, it's so horrific, it's so scary, I don't want to read it, I don't want to watch it. Well, now mm. I'm thinking, and well, they've just done their job. They've done their job really well because that's, you know, the people behind it, people filming, mm. people writing, they've done their job because it's so scary, you don't want anything to do with it. That's yeah well yeah 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 definitely i remember watching like nightmare on elm street i watched it was on tv and i had and it was on late so i wasn't allowed to watch it but i sort of stayed up in my room with the sound down and anytime i heard someone coming upstairs i'd turn the tv off <laughs> and it made it probably a million times more terrifying than that film actually is because i was just getting this silent like and it was black and white tv as well i mean i'm not like it was it was my dad's old tv i'm not that old but like it was black and white tv and it was like um you know just watching nightmare on elm street in these silent black and white snippets trying to piece it together <laughs> <laughs> and it just made it horrifying but um yeah no it's, it's, I, I find see, it interesting. Um, and then you got like freddy which is like just horrific like in itself yeah yeah um but have you seen like on netflix they've got the movies that made us that there's like a show called the movie that made yes us. i haven't watched them i haven't watched them yet but uh, yeah I've, I've seen that yeah it's got all of like the so halloween they did a special of all the horror movies that they did um, right how okay it happened like halloween they got friday the 13th and mm. nightmare and but it's just like watching it it's just really funny because you got like the guy who dressed up as Michael Myers, like like this, and he wasn't an actor, but they were saying to him like that iconic scene when he kind of like just shoved someone, shoved someone through the wall, and he's standing there. They're like, just mm-hmm. okay, now tilt your head like this, and tilt your head like that, and then he watched it back on the playback. And was like, oh, I was me examining my work. Oh, that's cool. And then, you know, right. It's like, and then you watch it, you think, oh, it's just like they're just you know creating this thing. They're like, they're normal people, mm. and I mean, you know, yeah. that's right like, because you're doing that business and you've done it. <laughs> like, yeah. But yeah, but it's, it's, it's really interesting, especially from those early days, because I think it's all become, it's quite difficult to, to, to kind of make a horror film now. Other people still do. I think horror is, is a genre in films that's kind of forever interesting. There's always, yes, there are, you know, a hundred films that are the same, but then every year there'll still be a handful of really original films that, that you go, whoa, I haven't seen that before. So, yeah. but I do think it's, it's fascinating. Those earlier, yeah, those earlier kind of experiences, something like Halloween where, you, where he's basically creating the template for a lot of this stuff. I mean, forgive like Netflix. So the Goosebumps TV series is on Netflix. Well, they've got one season of it on Netflix. Yeah. So they're putting things on and off, taking things on back and off, on and off yeah, again. So, yeah. yeah. But they've got the, they've got the, the Say Cheese and Die episode. So I watched that and that's Ryan Gosling is in, yes, is in that. Yeah, is the, yeah. <laughs> that was Ryan Gosling. Like, he's Canadian. So I think that loads of people, I think, started out on that, those shows. Right. But it was him. Yeah. Like, the kid. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, the kid with the camera. Yeah, it's amazing. But it's definitely noticeable because I think because I read the book as well, and like it's noticeably not as scary in the TV show. And obviously that's partly deliberate that they had to kind of tone it down. Like at the end of that episode, I think the guy who they steal the camera from he gets like trapped in the camera, whereas in the book he ends up in this this horrible sort of misshapen sort of thing on the floor. It's sort of really gross. I think I think. 
also, I can't remember if it's the same actor that played it in The Haunted Mask as well. I'm not sure, but I've definitely mm. seen that actor before somewhere in something. Maybe the Are You Friends of somewhere. But um, I wanted to know more about them, like that their, their story. Like, why did you create those masks and what was it trying to achieve? And then the Satis and Die, like, what were you trying to do with that camera? Um yeah, I, I but it's interesting because the, the, the haunted mask guy, uh, when he's explaining about making the, the sort of failed experimental masks, yeah. and, and he calls them the unloved, which is such a weirdly poetic and awful I know. Like, I mean, idea. Nowadays, sort of... when it's like, well, what do you mean by that? But then, mm. but then he's, he's got them kind of hidden away and they're all... Um... Yeah, but you don't even really get much of an explanation for it. It's it's, it's bizarre, but great. And the, the haunted mask, they had sequels of Say, Cheese and Die and Haunted Mask as well. Right. Um, mm-hmm. And they had, I think, one of the characters in the book. There's a book as well, and I think it's one of the bullies. Yeah, I think one of the bullies, Chuck. I think he then goes back to the shop and gets a mask of his own, and then it all kind of starts again. And they have to try and right. with it. So, yeah. like you said, that body horror thing of it again being stuck to your face and you can't get it off. Yeah. It, even the moment where she realizes it's stuck, like there's, there's no line where the mask should be. It's, it's horrible. It's, yeah, and it's like a children's book. <laughs> yeah. But uh, the ending of that, and I, I feel like we can spoil it because it's so yeah. old. Yeah, <laughs> like, the the ending is that the guy tells her that she can get the mask off, but like if anyone puts it on again, then they're screwed. It's just going to be stuck. And then it ends with her brother walking in yeah. saying, "Oh look, I've just yeah, found your yeah, mask. Yeah. <laughs> it's got it's it on." Like and that, it's like, oh, for goodness' sake. Yeah, yeah. No, that was um, yeah, that was that, yeah, that was really good. So the, the yeah, the other one uh that you mentioned was the the Night of the Living Dummy. Oh yeah. I, I really like that. I don't know what Slappy his name is and he yeah, became like yeah. an iconic goosebump thing. Well yeah. yeah, yeah. So I've, everything I've seen, because I haven't seen the movie either, but like, uh, the, yeah, I, I sort of gather the the, the the dummy sort of is has become like almost representative. He's almost like the mascot of the of the whole yeah whole series. A bit like but, a, a um, kind of like Chucky, but not like but like um his backstory. I think it was that he was built by a toy maker who used coffin wood to make him. Uh, no way. Yeah, okay. I know. So this is like no one else would understand like how cool that was. But it's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Like I'm like that's, that's yeah. really cool. Like, and can we have find more of that? Like can you delve into the toy maker? And I want to know more about him. And like why? Yeah. What's his deal? Yeah. Like that's that's mm. what I'm interested in. But yeah, because because he does this. Like he throws in these little things about why things are and the people that make them. And I'm like, mm. I want to know more about the inventors of the camera and of the toy and um. Yeah. Yeah, the mask as well. That's that's me. <laughs> yeah. yeah see, see, I mean, speaking of Chucky, I don't know if you saw the uh, the Chucky uh, TV series that was. On, I've heard of it. I knew um, they made one of it, though, but I didn't know how much yeah, of it was going to be true to the original film. Weirdly, and this is off topic a bit. I'll, I'll get back on topic, but like, because <laughs> I really enjoyed it until it sort of became like, because uh, it's, it's the original. It's, it's Don Mancini who invented Chucky, wrote the first Chucky script, and then has been working on the series forever. Oh, so, okay. so it's the same guy, but it almost about halfway through the series, it sort of becomes so kind of self-referential. It kind of falls on itself, like it. Yeah, I know it, what you it, mean. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's just all these all the characters come back from the other films, and it. Whereas at the beginning, it's this kid in high school, and he makes this weird art stuff, and he's gay, and he sort of is in love with this kid, this other kid, and it's this really like like really sweet little sort of gay love story in that you haven't seen before like you sort of haven't seen yeah. this in a in a sort of in a, in a kind of i suppose not necessarily mainstream but like in a you know fairly mainstream-ish thing it's certainly not in a genre piece i suppose so i was really, really into that I was really into this kid making his weird art and sort of 
um this kind of you know <laughs> sort of love story and then and then as soon as they, they and then chucky is kind of helping him but obviously it goes bad and but why i bring it up is there's a scene in it where he goes and does like a it's like a talent show or something and he goes up with and he pretends chucky is a ventriloquist doll and and Chucky just starts to insult everyone. And then I read Night of the Living Dummy, and that scene that is, is in Night of the Living Dummy. From, yeah, that is, that's the yeah. routine, isn't it? And he, he starts... Yes, yeah. yeah. And I was like, well, is that... So that must be... I mean, I'm guessing that that's deliberate. Like a deliberate... Not it's not stealing from it, but like a deliberate reference to... But then that, the, that was happening in an episode of Buffy as well, I remember, in season one, where there was a, that ventriloquist dummy, it? and he started insulting people, but he was sort of someone... They think he was I an evil person, that. but he, he looked out for the slate. He was looking out for was a good person twist but yes i, I do remember that now yeah, okay like yeah. one really early on in the in the right. season but so I, I mean i was obsessed with that mm. but yeah yeah i can remember watching that thinking is this like a 90s thing like of evil ventriloquist on me like a thing because right. <laughs> there's um there's a great film like an old british film dead of night uh dead of night is like a it's a it's a sort of anthology uh horror film from Oh, I'm going to get this wrong. It's either possibly 50s, maybe older. It's future Chris here confirming that Dead of Night was released in 1945. One of the stories in the anthology in that film is a, is about a ventriloquist dummy. I don't know if that's like I'm trying to think of what's the first. I mean, there's a, there's one with Anthony Hopkins as well, like 70s. But like I think it's like a, a consistent. I mean, ventriloquist dummies are in, inherently scary. No, well, yeah, this is the thing, I wouldn't. I watched Light of Living Dead and grew up with that, and for me they are. So like I'm just used to being like slappy. Like, I just see him as yeah. Ben Philippe's dummy. Um. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I wonder if that, like, I wonder if that scene, if that scene of doing the, doing the, the sort of the talent show performance and insulting everyone, if that's like, um, I can't remember the Dead of Night well enough to know if that's in there as well. But I wonder if that's like a classic. If you're doing them, into, I suppose it is. I suppose if you're telling that story, yeah. Then at some point there's going. Eventually, Chris Dummy is a stage act. At some point you're going to get on stage and, and the dummy will start saying it's, things. Yeah, it's a trope. Yeah, I feel yeah. Like it's like Interesting. Back to the future where like you, no one can write a time travel thing where someone goes back and then plays a song from the future when Back to the Future did it first and they kind of have a lock on right, it now. Yes, yeah, or anything yeah. they, anyone does in time travel, everyone's going to immediately think, oh, well, Back to the Future did that. Yeah, 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 yeah. I find it really interesting how these things kind of follow, if you can kind of track them through popular culture. Even now, that you can sort of think, oh, this idea of the scary ventriloquist on me. I mean, I know there are still comedians who do it but like my son would find that scary but i don't know if he'd know if he'd if he'd actually know recognize what a ventriloquist dummy is i suppose he would but then where but but probably just from popular culture like not hi it's future chris here again so i thought i'd ask my son what he thought a ventriloquist dummy was and this is what he said it's a dummy that ventriloquists use where they pretend to talk and they move the dummy's mouth and in horror movies, they know they come and try and kill you. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I guess, well, then, then thinking about it, I never saw no, a ventri- no. an actual ventriloquist. No, so I haven't either. It's, yeah. Yeah, it's a weird I said thing. I maybe um, a few times, but then even then, I always would always remember right. back to Goosebumps because that's always going to be ingrained in my, my memory. Because of yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so but this, uh, there is some, because there are quite a lot of similarities between the stories. And, and like so the the idea because i think in that first in that first night of living dummy they don't really go into where the dummy came from so that's interesting you were saying
saying about the the, the toy maker and the coffin. Yeah, I think there was a, he wrote um, sequels for that, so it was, mm. it was like, and then yeah, other dummies. There were other dummies out there that was made by the same coffin words. So it's like an evil toy maker that made it from which I thought I, you know, I can write something about the toy. I want to like do that about the toy maker. Like, yeah, I would want to know his story. Like, why are you like that? <laughs> why did you make these? Well, this is this is yeah. But well, this is the thing. So you've got the stolen you've got the oh no, well. not just coffin, stolen coffin words. Oh, okay, 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 yeah. But I think this is what's interesting is that you've got the guy making the weird masks, you've got the the guy making the camera, uh, the guy, the evil toy maker, and it's like, yeah, what are these people doing? <laughs> and then it goes wrong, and then they go in hiding, or, or like they go all weird, and the guy I think made a mask. He ran the Halloween shop still, but then he was just uh, okay. So, he had other costumes and kept it hidden in a door, which was a jar, mm-hmm. and she went in it. And then the camera, um, it was he was just really upset because he's trying to create something like scientific or he can change the world and then it all went horribly wrong but yeah you had it could change the world yeah. it worked it didn't yeah <laughs> well that's because that's the the interesting question of the camera is is that this almost i mean well i think it's pretty clear in the book by the end but it's almost like is it predicting the future or is it making the bad things happen and i think by the end it, like the kids like oh it's making the things happen but there is that you, there's still a bit of a question mark over that yeah <laughs> like, well, what, i mean how can someone just disappear i guess like yeah that's that's what interested me is where because she's like so she so he takes a photo of the girl his his, his friend um i can't remember her name but, but she disappears so in the photo she's not there and then she disappears for a couple of days and then he rips up the photo and she's back and she's got no memory of it at all and you're just like oh what's that yeah yeah and the <laughs> where was she looking for her and it's a, it's a fishing yeah. thing so it yeah it must be and I think I think the original photo they took was of this I think it was the TV series or was it in the book as well but it, his friend falling and then he's like no no no, no, no it's no. in the book as well yeah, yeah, yeah and he's like oh it's a good action shot he's like no I took it before you fell like yeah 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 no it's really good yeah nowadays you can imagine like I don't know something predicting with everything technology you don't know everyone's predicting things but back then yeah. it's more ooh. Well, this is what one of the things that interests me about it was was to I mean I don't know because I know because there are sort of newer ones this but I don't know I mean does he still write them now or there this is I'm not sure I hope so but I'm thinking I like, should probably look this how, up <laughs> how is he kind of gonna I will keep that meant to go I guess he can but has he got other series always goosebumps like the is he going to write sequels for them? I'd love to see them. Yeah, cause I was just wondering about like the the way sort of childhood's changed. I mean, that's what it's what struck me about it was that because they're kids who <laughs> I'm in danger of sounding like a really old man now, but they they're all very suburban. They're all kind of set in these like little suburban towns, and and the kids are all the sort of I think they're all about eleven or twelve. Yeah, I, this is um, they're actually really young. But when I was reading, I was like seven, eight, nine. So for me, right, well, okay. Like that age was quite old and you know they were riding yeah, bikes yeah. doing everything very independently going to shops like doing all those stuff and i'm thinking yes when i get stage i'm like mm, why it's like they're really they seem yeah, much older yeah. than they obviously are meant to be but maybe because written yeah but i don't know i don't know if that's oh, but then maybe they were if... back in the day in like, i don't know in america suburban america like riding bike i think probably 11 12 kids do go out on their own it just seems like looking back and thinking there's a sort of sense of this i think this is what what's interesting about it about them being set in this kind of it's similar to halloween in a way that they are set in what seem to be these very safe 
places where the kids are allowed to just kind of do what they want and you know d- to the point that they're breaking into places <laughs> like yeah, climbing yeah. in skips yeah. doing all, these, all this stuff um that kids do and that's that's sort of okay but it's it's um yeah this kind of horror that comes out of i, I guess it's i guess it's, it's finding that horror in suburbia finding that horror in this kind of very normal safe place and it's because they're all about finding these kind of artifacts these strange things that don't belong there in a way yeah yeah I think interesting that's, that's also like it was a thing that i think made it really fun to play in the playground because you know in school we could just for an hour at lunchtime we would just like switch off and like pretend we were those kids going into like finding these things and going into these places and then it was like right. imagination and then you just go back to school and then it's you know back to maths or you know whatever um yeah, yeah. For that one hour we were able because we because you know we'd watch goosebumps and read the books and into that yeah it was just fun for us to act out yeah and play around which i guess kind of like then leads on to like when i started to write and do, like drama and that kind of stuff yeah yeah it was just that kind of yeah i think you kind of put yourself in those people's but they're doing it and it's real but for us it's just like 10 oh i think this is one of the things that one of the things i always liked about horror and i still like about horror now is that that most of them are these stories that are set in the real world and it's it's people and places and situations that you recognize but then there's a tiny element that's off but there is it's basically kind of magic or fantastical like it's it's evil but a lot of the time like you think about even with with sort of freddy krueger or michael myers not not dying there's something never like (laughs) yeah but there's something a little bit magical about it like and and it the way it's presented is sort of like horrible but i I think i always like that it's like mid-level escapism because you're not in like full fantasy but it's like this is the world i recognize but something's a bit different about it and i think goosebumps kind of does that really well there's just there's one element in each story that's off and that's where it all comes from yeah (laughs) yeah and then at the end he has this setup of a cliffhanger which is you're like oh Mm. it's so annoying like because now i think we want to have the age of where there's always going to be a sequel you're expecting a season two and three of everything follow up yeah those like books and those like tv series it always be a twist such a big cliffhanger and you're like oh you know he's not gonna he's like what (laughs) yes yeah yeah no it's good one of the things i think is interesting about them as well is the parents (laughs) are never the stories well they're, they're either never they're either never there like there's quite often at least one absent parent or or they're not really featured or in like the case of night of the living dummy i just completely unable to help just don't believe the kids yeah and there's i think that must and again it's i'm projecting so i can't remember i didn't read them as a kid but like that must be quite horrifying to read as a kid this idea that the normally as a kid you're like well I'll, 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 something bad happens i'll tell my mum and dad but if, if, if these books are like mum and dad aren't going to help no, <laughs> like, at all I think it gets even worse in one of the books goosebumps books called stay out the basement where the dad ends up getting like possessed by one of these plants he is in the basement he's growing these plants and there's, there's this thing there that's like it's so a that that that's scary in itself when the parent of the situation is a bit um yeah and even with say cheese and die it's like you have proof that things can happen not that you want to show them because but you have little proof of the car that's smashed and then you're in that but then they're like write it off it's like oh it's a coincidence but i guess that's just typical like horror teen like especially back in those days like maybe he was trying to show like kids that can't relate to their parents or you know you're you have to handle it by yourself and deal with it yeah yeah but it's always yeah. the same isn't it with all these shows that like parents just never believe the kids that's the thing and, the, and the, i think quite a few times they, the characters mention it they go well there's no point there's no point telling my mom and dad because they won't 
they're not going to believe this but i think that's what uh really obviously i mean obviously it's a device as well because if if every kid in those stories could go to the mum and dad and say this is happening can you stop it then yeah. it becomes a different story it becomes a story for adults kind of go okay right well now we'll, <laughs> we'll sort this yeah out. adults are involved but there, there are some mm. in there where the parents are a part of it like there's this one piece of right. book called vampire breath where these two kids are left at home alone the parents go out and they find this place under their house and there's a vampire in a coffin and then there's this little girl trying to get the, he's trying to find his vampire breath to get his vampirism back or something something mm-hmm. but basically long story long story short the, the, the little girl who's somehow around is end up evil and then they the vampire chases them and they get out and the, the parents are there and then they're like pointing at him and the mom goes papa and basically all of them are vampires it's just it's, it's that typical twist at the end and you're like what is mm. happening so it's like sometimes the parents even though they seem to be like written off sometimes they they can be mm. a part of the story in a really insidious way right interesting and then you're um, so, the, the tears obviously and then when they're like yeah what yeah the hell? then you're like oh gosh Okay. Well, I definitely, I think that's the scariest thing in the, in, in the world as, as a kid is the idea that your parents could be evil. Yeah. Like, I used to have nightmares about that. This is a hor- really horrible film. I think, I think it's just called Parents about, with Randy Quaid's in it, about cannibal parents, about this kid realizing that his parents are cannibals that I remember seeing when I was too young. And <laughs> that sort of messed me up. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> I wanted, I mean, you've kind of alluded to it a couple of times. I, I, like, do you, can you see, uh, was, was, um, were the Goosebumps books like a, a direct kind of influence on on your writing do you think yeah because i that was the first time i, I really um enjoyed reading reading mm-hmm. and, and then getting immersed in that world and then with that came the imagination of playing playing and then with playing it right. was like i have to get this out because i would create my own versions and my own stories like kind of fan fictiony um and then when when oh, it comes cool. to, to writing and in class i want to write about you know this this that and the other and the teachers didn't seem to be too concerned I, we didn't go dark but it was like mystery and scary and because I, right. I, I was able to get something out of that. Um, mm-hmm. And I feel like mm-hmm. even now with my writing, I feel like you know, everyone always says, like, write com- isn't comic or comedy mm-hmm. or romance. I'm like, well, it's been done to death. And, you know, romance is great. Like, I, I would. But in that, if I was going to write romance, I'd have to like, explore the characters like trauma or they, they're all human. So it have to be like dark, like their hum- humanity and what makes them, you know, they all have, everyone has a dark side. So I want to explore that. Um, I don't really remember yeah. but it, it makes them real and mm. and I, I again like with all the stuff that i write i want to explore the dark sides and what makes them things it goes back to the whole thing about wanting to find more about the the, co- the toy maker and the yeah and yeah the maker of the mask and everything like what what's their story and what what made them want to do stuff like that um yeah 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 as you were saying that i was just thinking that's exactly it you were saying about about being interested in where where this stuff comes from and, and what those people are doing and and that's yeah. yeah i can i can see that so uh so i read your play uh face to face what do you want to just sort of set that up the the sort of premise of yeah it? so i mean so basically, the, the premise those kind of like changed uh, productions, but the premise mm-hmm. is the same. Basically, this young woman meets her father's killer um, in prison before he's about to be released, mm-hmm. um, and they were the same age at the time; they were teenagers. And now he's about to be released, and he she goes to meet him, and yeah, they they kind of relive everything that happened. Yeah, <laughs> I was quite fascinated by that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a really like it's a really complicated, like in a good way, like, complex. I suppose in it, like a, there's, there's so much going on in that dynamic and i don't need to give too much away 
But I guess one of the things I was interested in was I felt towards the end. No, no, not towards it. I'm trying trying to really like dance around it. That show went on to Brighton and Camden Fringe and we got like four star reviews. And the end, I was watching. That was actually, um, I'll be honest with you, that was a first draft. Right. That was the first draft. (laughs) Right. So Hmm. we had time to kind of like redo it i kind of sent it off and then the director like took it and ran with it and which is great okay. um then i was like, kind of sitting there watching it especially the end thinking i need to cut this i need i needed to cut that in monologue i needed to do it because i felt it too cheesy <laughs> oh no i wasn't it wasn't really it wasn't necessarily that it was the what i was trying to get at was whether there was a, a, a deliberate ambiguity over who the antagonist was in the play because there's, there's a point where where she can after after the guy's released and she confronts him kind of outside in the world yeah and it almost starts to feel a bit like that she's the and i mean obviously she's had the awful thing done to her family yeah she's a bit too judgmental on him yeah like yeah. she just didn't so let him it's go interesting <laughs> that you mentioned that because that was something that when i moved i i the director uh, i a friend of mine who I've known since the beginning of my career, he read it and was like, mm. I want to direct this play. And then was like, now what we're doing is kind of making them on an even keel because he's like, you it immediately, the audience just hates Scott. <laughs> they just, they, the character Scott, who's a girl, right. you've just kind of set mm. that up for them. We need to see more of who he is, why he did his story. And also Emma's just too judgmental towards him. You need to balance them out. So that's what I'm kind of doing at the yeah. moment. Well, well um, I can yeah. see, I can definitely see that. Yeah. Yeah. So kind of but I didn't, I didn't, who they are why why they're doing what they and and you know the whole idea of forgiveness redemption remorse as well mm. um but yeah i because i i was like i wrote that six years ago it was originally only meant to be just one scene um just them right. in the prison room just hashing out mm-hmm. um and then i got accepted um into the scratch night i just sent it off and i i won this competition mm. and wow. i showed they showed it they they hired oh, amazing. two actors and the director who then took it onto the fringe um and then oh, brilliant. the audience okay. the audience said they really wanted to see more of it so i kind mm. of expanded it out into a two-hander at, they want to see more of them so i thought how am i going to make this into a thing and i kind of just wrote extra scenes of them bumping into each other but then it's kind of like looking back now after years kind of like redoing multiple drafts multiple expanding the story bringing other characters mm. into it and i was stripping it back away again it's like um why does she keep going back there all that kind of stuff so it's, but now now the final draft which is draft i think 17 or 18 mm-hmm. it's just it's going to be them again um he's actually out of prison because the conversations they have realistically in that prison they the police would be like no, you need to get out of there <laughs> sure yeah yeah yeah, like, yeah obviously yeah. licensed but at the same time really yeah, yeah 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 so yeah so it's that kind of stuff and, and i explored about who his his mum is where his backstory is her parents every all of that kind of stuff and um yeah yeah but, but originally the the idea was um i think i saw a documentary about it um at this um guy that got beaten up by these group of, of kids basically um in front of his daughter his daughters and i kind of had an idea just something like stuck in my mind of well, what would happen mm. in, uh, years later when he's released their teenagers but you know when they're in their mid-20s what what's going to happen they're the same age yeah how has their lives changed and were they always going to be connected through this one event um yeah i wanted yeah. to explore that um and then that kind of spun off but i think now it's like well it's not the documentary anymore they're their own characters and i have to kind of like yeah. divorce that idea but at the time that was the the, the inspiration well, that makes sense. I mean, the, what's interesting is, I suspect these things do, but you, you de- definitely get a sense in the, in the version I read that both of these people's lives have been ruined. Like, 
she can't move on. That's what I got from her following him around was that she can't move on from this thing. She's trying to get something out of him, some sort of, I guess, sort of sense of remorse or something that like because even reading the monologue at the end in the, in the version i read that the, I, I think a lot of this sort of comes down to performance as well and who but in my head when she was doing that monologue and, and i wish i could have seen it <laughs> but like in, in my head i was like well the, it didn't feel genuine like not in the writing i thought the writing was genuine but the the, the like what she what the character was saying was like i don't think this this adds up like it feels like she's telling herself I think it's that thing in a way with when you when you're looking for closure on something traumatic like that that at a certain point you sort of just have to decide and she sort of makes that decision but it's like did what she put this guy through I mean and, and obviously what he's done is worse but like it, that that she's not let him move on from it to a degree and which always feels yeah it's just like a cycle of awfulness like, in, 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 a, in a sort of really interesting way but like yeah yeah i thought it was really interesting and did you look into sort of like actual or was it just from that documentary or was there, there was a case of like of like um people who'd gone to prison young and, and things like that oh yeah yeah there was a lot of research in that yeah um mm. all the way through up there. and then even beyond that we, we kind of made sure to, to do a lot of because then it's like well what are you exploring and if you're going to explore more of scott you have to get into his head and what he's been through and yeah so now, now it's basically like he's been through a lot so there's the current version which hopefully hopefully you can see um is um mm. which i'm writing at the moment is uh he's he's been through it and and what the director told me um my friend Josh is basically like, don't hold back because what you do is you set things up and you're about to punch and then you you just drop and it's like everyone's like, all right then. So you need to punch them and just just go for it. Right. So I, I kind of did, and that conversation they have, you know, even when they're talking about the um the death and the, the killing and all that, that is actually still hmm. there, but it gets more darker. Um, like to the point right. where she's kind of like, you think that she's like a woman, a, lo- a young girl alone with this guy, and her dad's kind of dying. Hmm. She's like, I thought you'd do something to me and. He was like, maybe I would have, and all that kind of stuff. And, and that's why right. then, then um, he said, uh, Josh was like, you need to get this out of the prison because there's no way they'd have that conversation in the prison. Like, the, the guards would be like, just yeah, get out of there now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it realistically, um, yeah, so it goes, it goes pretty, pretty dark. Um, yeah. Oh, that's interesting. I mean, because I, I could imagine, because that, that scene, because again, that scene when they're outside of the prison, which meets them outside, it's um it has this kind of undercurrent of like tension because you're like yeah she's confronted him outside on her own and and she's really trying to push his buttons as well and it's sort of um yeah i can see that really yeah definitely pushing that further i can see that really working no that sounds really good did you find the uh when it was performed was it um did you have much involvement in that process or um not in in that process um the script mm. that, you, that you read and that went to the fringe festivals i actually um mm. i didn't really go to rehearsals i first saw it for the first mm-hmm. time on the opening of brighton fringe which was hey. june 2nd 2018 i remember that because my birthday's my right. so it was like it was a nice birthday weekend um but i remember mm. being really nervous because i hadn't i hadn't seen it before and usually before i'd been involved in rehearsals and stuff um but the director rachel who's, who's still a friend of mine she um she's quite um involved in like the movement style she favors like movement a lot um, mm-hmm. And there was a lot. There was a puppet in that, which we all agreed didn't work. Like even at the end, we thought it didn't. It, it, the puppet was basically the character of um, Johnny, the, um, the kid that Scott takes under his wing. 
Um, oh, I see. Okay, just, right. Just, <laughs> I was trying to work out where I put it. <laughs> right. Yeah, it, it just really did work on that. So we had to get rid of yeah. Camden. Um, but yeah, mm. there was there was a lot of it was it was really uh, well done. But I think um, for me, I think creative. When I kind of sent it off to, to gave it to Joshua Reed, and he's like, "There's there's more you can you can do with this." So yeah, I I could just go somewhere else. I mean, you know what it's like. <laughs> we could create yeah, differences. Yeah. Yeah, but Rachel's yeah. really good about the whole thing, and they kind of got it got to like hmm. nice places, and the reviews were really, really positive, which was good. Um, yeah, yeah. I guess I mean because it was first draft, I'm watching it, thinking oh, I could change that, or I could do that, and I really just edit this bit and get rid of that. Um, it's just me being hmm. critical because it's hard watching every time watching it and then not being able to do anything. Um, right yeah 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 because yeah, i've never really i've not really uh I, I assistant directed a play once a few years ago but that might even have been might have been 2018 actually <laughs> um but i've that's the only time that i've really been involved in theater but yeah that would my i guess my impression was was that the the, the writer gets more involved like because in film it is exactly that experience of you kind of write it and then turn up years down the line and kind of see what see what they've done with it i think that's i think that's what's good like what you're doing with it now i think that's 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 also a good thing you can do with theater is that you can sort of take that away and rework it and then do it again that's um uh whereas i think it's like often with film you kind of do it and then it's there and then it that is yes and and with all all the kind of flaws and things didn't work there as well as all the good stuff but um uh yeah i didn't think of it like that actually yeah you can (laughs) yeah yeah and also i think um at the time i can't remember why maybe it was like personal stuff i didn't i didn't get so involved hmm. but now like with all my other stuff i am definitely much more involved in, with this again right i turn up to, like workshops and i think even with face to face we had like an r&d and we had like so many workshops for it for this particular right, one okay. to get the characters to where they really need to be I, this is probably a, a stretch and i'm probably doing it on purpose for the for the podcast because I try and do I try and do this with everyone who comes on, but I can see parallels between like Goosebumps and and the play, like not not direct parallels, but there is that sense of the the kind of absent parent and you know this 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 girl is obviously like had to deal with a lot of stuff on her own. She's seen this horrific thing as a kid, and yes, it's sort of based very much in the real world, but it's still I think a lot I think actually a lot of the themes are kind of still there it's still a kind of urban kind of horror happening in the kind of daylight like real world yeah, and underpass, yeah 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 like the, uh, the underpass and things yeah yeah exactly and i think also like um so it, that, that version um that you read like even or even now in the current one he's always going to be that monster under the bed you know that kind of yeah thing in her in the back of her mind that he she can't shake off yeah and i was quite fascinated by that and and just the idea of of him and what was going through his head at the time and is he remorseful is he this and i think what what josh mm. has done for me like now is basically said you need to really get to know him and her like just with him like you, you have yeah. to divorce this idea of your prejudgment of those kids that did it in the documentary because you know it's not them this is a completely different character yeah. person you need to like find out who he is and is he sorry mm. and why and all this kind of stuff like does he love his mom does he not like all this kind of yeah stuff. yeah um and I, that yeah, makes so yeah. much more sense right like, yeah and, and we're and we're back to figuring out why the evil toy maker exactly. makes the dolls yeah, like, yeah. yeah this is it it's like kind of like why mm. why because that's what originally I, I was fascinated by so if i then get rid of kind of a preconception of, of someone who well, based him on a character from a document a, a real person mm. but it's not 
that, then you, he's his own person. So you have to figure out why he did this, what made him snap. And anyone can snap. And everyone just yeah, capable. Yeah. We saw that at the Oscars with Will Smith. Which was smacked someone across the face. Like, yes. Anyone capable of a breaking yeah. And I think that's, that's really also quite fascinating as well. Um, scary. Yeah. Because mm. there was a version in there. And it's, it's kind of in here, but there was a version where we brought other characters in there. His cellmate, the guy who kind of like killed his kids um and his, his wife right. but he's now like preaching you know he's like the the princess on the prison like preacher and scott's just like are you kidding right. me? but can't say anything um and then one of the versions he like provokes him at the end to like strangle him to death to death basically because he he gets right. his friends gets back in prison and then deliberately starts an argument with him about the situation um, I see. And then, right. then when I kind of like, when, you know, it's one of those situations where you kind of like have to redraft and it's like, well, is there room for this? Is there not? But it's like, it's like one of those yeah, incarnations, yeah. if that makes sense. Yeah. But I, I could write any, like a whole thing on Pierce and stuff. It's a one man show. Like that's his like mm. story. But, but yeah, it was like one of those things. And, and also like for Scott, like who he's been locked up with all these years, you know, like the, right. the kind of uh, people he's had to deal with and, you know, all the kind of stuff about um, people kind of defecating in his food and, and which which happens in prison and yeah right he's, he's changed he's not the person that he he was when he came in and all that so it's like you have to go to a dark place as a writer to do this and it's going to be really emotional mm. and, hard. and i i had to like force myself to to do that yeah because i think that's that's probably where it's, it's different is that like in the in goosebumps and in a lot of horror stuff in halloween even there's this sense of evil like michael myers is evil yeah. it's it's a it's a it's an excuse that that rl stein uses a lot in the books is he just says oh like the guy who makes the camera says oh like the, the guy you made the camera with was evil and he was a bit evil as well and the sort yeah, of sense, idea of evil, things being evil like, well he was he evil because he was trying to make something which is like scientific was a guy competing with a friend or something but he was trying to do something yeah and it just wasn't went wrong and the same thing with the masks as well. Like they're trying to do something good. Like maybe they're trying to create something like a facial reconstruction surgery in, in like a different way. Maybe. Yeah. But it just went wrong. <laughs> but this is this is the thing. Like in like you were saying, in, in I think in reality, like evil isn't really a thing. People do things for reasons, complicated reasons that are sort of uh, I just say sometimes it's 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 just that uh, people just snap sometimes it's it's to do with their background and where they are at that particular moment and and all all these kind of different complicated things yeah. and um it's, i think it's interesting to try and answer all those questions but then also to look look at what happens i think that's um what you were saying about him and you got back in prison and what happens there is this idea of the aftermath of it as well like what happens which i guess is what the whole play is dealing with to a degree is the aftermath of that event for both the characters is, is kind of where where do you go from there and how it's kind of affected both of them before i stop um i just wanted to mention uh your podcast as well which is how i know because i was on your podcast yeah. a year ago but pretty much a year ago yeah, i think when i checked the emails it was a year ago which is uh scary but because <laughs> time just goes it's the night writer isn't it the, yeah, the, the podcast night writer. Got, yeah the night writer podcast. Yeah. yeah do you still write at night Is i do still... yep i'm an insomniac <laughs> i still write all my best stuff at night oh, wow. i just i just love it i just find that it's really nice to tap into that when ev- the rest of the world is asleep find i get so much inspiration from it Every, in the dark you just you can just switch off yeah. there's no distraction not that there's anything like just during the day even though i have to write during the day i actually literally close this, my curtains here and i just right, try okay. and get some kind of shut out and and do it or, or put on like those ambient things on youtube you know there's like ambient oh, okay stuff. i love them i think for, for face to face when I'm, I'm writing about scott i i use like prison ambience because that's where he 
is mentally in, in anything. Oh, whoa, so, okay. I, I never, I never thought about that actually. Yeah, there's loads, of, like an whole hour of like prison right. noise, background noise, and it's just oh, wow. doors clanging and people just, just shouting. But it's like it's something that oh, the, God, the, the characters would have to be listening to or whatever yeah. character I'm writing. Even I'm writing like a book about I don't know, it's in the Regency era. It would be like a horse and carriage or like rain mm. or something. I don't know, but it was it's, it it really helps like these ambient stuff and especially in the yeah dark. okay. Uh, right but yeah 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 the night writer is is i kind of like used it because like a play on um i write in the night and it's like night rider <laughs> right yeah yeah because cool. yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, i i used to i used to i used to write at night all the time i still do to a degree but i kind of well i suppose it was having kids really like that's <laughs> a point i think the um the constraints on my time became uh because i sort of work as well and 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 the, between the work and the kids and then just you know watching films and playing video games and doing stuff like that and, and seeing people occasionally like all of that stuff i found that the only way i could write was well i had to sort of teach myself to be able to write anywhere and then and then i kind of end up writing in snatches like on the train or on lunch breaks and things like that and then um yeah i kind of miss the he's saying really late um so your your podcast you kind of interview uh writers and and do you kind of is it is it just writers or is it all kinds of uh creatives all, all as kinds well? of creatives yeah any any mm. creatives um i think some paranormal experts have got uh, in touch as well oh wow interesting I, it's cool it's, it's interesting to hear what like <laughs> they've got to say mm. um um, yeah, I obviously want to do like independent ones as well. Cause I haven't done that since season one because like season two, just like loads of guests, and even season three, like all of them right. in touch because of the matchmaker FM. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, but I, I thought like I had loads of certain things to do. Like that, I wanted to do an episode on City of Atlantis and like other like ghost ships, um, okay. other fairy tales that haven't been done yet. Because um, yeah, that's right. what I kind of do is like delve into urban legends and fairy tales, like the real history behind them. Because they're dark stuff. They're really, right. really okay. creepy stuff. Um, and I'm just, I'm just right. really fascinated by the origins of that. And you see it on Disney, but it's like, well, <laughs> you don't know the true story. <laughs> yeah. Right. Okay, that is interesting, actually. Yeah. And are you interested in like paranormal things as well, like ghosts and things like yeah, that? Yeah, I, I love it. I think I, I did one episode on Amityville Horror. Um, because I think oh, okay. mm-hmm. and I want to do more about like, other haunted ones I, I feel like it's got kind of like when they do it now in like media and popular culture it, it's got to mm. people laugh at it um, it's not taken as seriously but yeah, I think it takes yeah. like I think I don't know if you know about Mike Flanagan on is it Mike Flanagan yeah, oh yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. He's great like, yeah yeah really dragged pop uh, horror like back into the yeah yeah definitely fantastic job and i saw midnight mass which was amazing um yeah yeah fantastic. one of the best endings yeah, i've yeah. ever seen in a tv show for yeah sure. it was great yeah and that i was just that guy the priest i thought was amazing oh. the actor who played him was so good yeah. like he was so compelling like whenever he was on screen it was just like oh yeah whatever he's saying yes. yeah 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 <laughs> so. i mean it was it was like a slow burn but it was it mm. was really really well done those things what uh what are you working on next are you working as well as you so you're redoing face to face have you got anything else um, on the go yeah so a play that i've written called a play fight um it was shown at Deptford town hall like at the end of november but we're going to the peckham fringe festival um oh, cool. on the second and third of june um right yeah tickets are available on the on the website of, of peckham mm-hmm. fringe but you can also get it from um a reason productions uh website as well yeah Cool.production.com. Yeah. Okay. Cool. That's um, great. Yeah. So it's like a. It's that's kind of like something that's sort of about sort of stereotypical of like two two teenagers boys of, of color. Um, it's quite sinister. Like, and then something happens, 
and they kind of get picked on and then it kind of shows their spiral from there. Um, I was committed, right, that's my first okay. commission to write. So, yeah. Oh, wow. Well, okay, cool. Okay. Um, yeah, and just carrying on writing other stuff. So, um, where's the best place to find your stuff uh, on, online? Um, so, yeah, all places can be, uh, all things can be found on my website, which is christiesnotebook.com. Cool. Um, which is, everything's on there. So that was Christina Allegorat, and I'm talking about Goosebumps and her play Face to Face. I'll put links to uh, Christina's website and her social media and everything in the in the show notes. I definitely recommend checking out the Nightwriter podcast. It's uh, similar to this podcast in, in format, but she, Christina has some really interesting guests on there, and and as I say, she talks about all these other things as well. And also, uh, just a reminder that that uh, Christina's play is on. Uh, in Peckham on 2nd and 3rd of June I'll put a link to that as well finally the last thing of all before I go I just want to uh, put in a plug for my book again Astroth which I'll put a link to and it's, it's a kind of haunted house ghost hunting horror story about uh, two rival ghost hunters who attend the same haunting and then it all goes all goes wrong it's over, over the course of really a single day where this uh, investigation takes place but uh, yeah be really if you're enjoying this podcast a really good way to support it would be to, to check out my book uh, okay it looks like <laughs> my complete inability to get this episode out sooner than i wanted to probably i think the episodes are going to be every two weeks uh, i do however have another podcast out as well which is more of a comedy uh, is it comedy it, it's a sort of light-hearted film podcast called just the thing where me and another writer friend joel jessup try and reimagine the plots of various films if we put john carpenter's the thing in them so yeah if you search for i'll put the link to that in the notes as well but if you search for just the thing podcast it, it should come up and it's definitely on buzzsprout and spotify uh, anyway that'll do for now i will see you next time thanks bye <laughs>